0: Episode 60, A Lawyer's Perspective on Online Marketing. My conversation with attorney, author, podcaster, and online marketing guru, Annette Chody. Annette has been an attorney and a member of the Missouri Bar for 23 years. She is the founder-owner of LawQuill a full-service legal digital marketing agency. Annette hosts the podcast Legal Marketing Lounge and wrote the best-selling book, Click Magnet, the ultimate digital marketing guide for law firms. Annette has been a speaker at the ABA Tech Show and multiple bar associations throughout the United States and Canada. Annette used to do theater and professional comedy, which is not so different from the legal field, if we're all to be honest. Enjoy. Enjoy. <music> Hey, everyone, just a quick shout out before we start. Are you enjoying the Page podcast? Consider giving us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast feeds. Also, consider buying us a cup of coffee or two from the link on our blog to help defray some of the production costs. Thanks, and again, enjoy. Annette, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. It's a total honor.
0: Well, I'm thrilled you're here. And to get things started, tell us, what is your current tech setup.
1: Well, my current tech setup is that I have a MacBook Pro, and then I have, along with that, a monitor. It's actually a TV. It's, yeah, that, because I wanted something that was a little bit bigger. So it's not a massive TV. It's not like a huge, that takes up a wall or anything. It's a TV. That's my second monitor. And then I have, as I told you before, I have my very favorite keyboard, which is not a Mac keyboard, which sometimes causes problems when I'm trying to do a different functions on my Mac, but it is a Microsoft wireless comfort keyboard, 5050 model 1728. And let me tell you what, I love this thing so much. I bought like five of them and wow. I have them in storage because when one goes bad, I will literally have another one ready to go. So well,
0: how, how frequently are they going bad?
1: Well, they're not going bad that often, but okay. you know, it's sort of like when you find something that you absolutely love, right? right? right, then right. you want to, Because eventually it's going to be obsolete or discontinued. They always discontinue the stuff that you love. So I have a bit of an insurance policy for a little while with these.
0: Tell us what else you have.
1: I have a ring light that okay. is that part yeah. of it. Is that technically? Yeah. Part yeah. Of
0: I, I, I've heck? got an Elgato. I've got, wait, do I have an Elgato? Yeah. I have an Elgato, Elgato, I think. Actually, I should say Elgato light. And you've got a ring light. Yeah. I do have yeah. a
1: ring light. I think that's really important. I actually have a room with a lot of light, it, but there's cloudy days and things like that, so all that right. I think always helps. I'm on Zoom meetings all the time, mm-hmm. so I think that helps. I have a and I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong, is it a Logi Lo, Logi cam, camera? L- it's
0: a Logitech it's all, Logitech. All, yeah, Logitech.
1: Logitech. There we go. And I love it. And it was, there's a bit of a funny story behind it because during the pandemic, I wanted to upgrade my camera because I was doing so many more Zoom calls like everyone else. And I had to get on a waiting list for this thing because Everyone else had the same idea. It was like just right after the pandemic started. And this pati- this particular camera was the most highly recommended camera face mm-hmm. of the planet Earth. And I'm like, well, I got to have it. So I we tried to find it and it was, imp- I had to be on a waiting list for it, but it is a good camera. So I have that. Brio,
0: is it the Brio 4K? I don't
1: remember, to be honest with you. It, is it horizontal? I don't, it, I, yes, yes.
0: And I think it's the same one that I have. And I yeah. remember when everyone bought them up, and then you had to wait right. forever.
1: you did. You had to wait forever. it was it was really it was crazy, like all of us were waiting for it. And in the meantime, we're using all of these really terrible cameras or some people were using like the cameras off of their actual laptop. not that there's anything wrong with that. But, you know, it certainly doesn't give you the same kind of crisp, clear picture. And then I'm using my microphone, which is a audio technical. I had to look again. It's audio technical microphone and it's, and I'm using one of those little filters that I don't know. They tell me that I'm supposed to use it. So I'm using it.
0: I'm in the process of post-production with Gordon Friedmark, who used to be a professional sound engineer, and he loves the mic that you have. Oh really? Better than the one I have, better, no offense to the Yeti, which is what I started off with. But what you've got, he says, that is just the perfect microphone to have.
1: Wow. Well, it came really highly recommended. So I, when I got into the podcasting game, Mm -hmm. I really didn't know very much about, well, I didn't know anything. And so I just went to the people that I trusted for their recommendations. And that's what seemed to keep cropping up as a recommendation. So, so I just got it. So that's kind of what's just around me in my near vicinity. And of course my iPhone.
0: (laughs) Which iPhone do you have?
1: the, you know what? It's the latest one. Now, so we just you, got it a couple months ago, a few months are, ago.
0: Are you on the cycle? Do you rent or lease your iPhone?
1: No, we, no, we don't do that. So, so we just
0: purchased it. Purchase it and do a hand-me-down with everyone else. Cause I know you have a child, a 16 year old kid.
1: That's exactly what we do, but we're not, I will be honest with you. I do. I'm not one of those people that the minute that something comes out, I have to run and get it. I'm just I'm not, I just don't have that in me, but it just turned out that we were going to Europe and we were, and I just wanted a better camera, frankly, for my phone. It had nothing to do actually with my business. We had gone to Europe and I wanted a better camera on my phone. So
0: So is it the 15 Pro Max?
1: I think that's right. Yeah.
0: Okay. The biggest, most expensive one. I have it yeah, too, and I love yeah, it. Yeah, I know.
1: It's this one.
0: I, I, the I, listen, the listeners
1: can't see it, but... The listeners but can't can. see it,
0: but I could see it, and I think it is the 14 Pro Max, and yeah. I love it too. So, and I've always yeah. been getting the Pro Maxes or whatever the highest, yeah. uh, most it's expensive It's fantastic iPhone. for photography.
1: Oh, yeah. really is fantastic. It's, it is quite shocking for photography. So
0: there's been some comparison videos of, I believe, the iPhone 14 Pro Max and the Samsung S23. And while the S23 seems to have like it's like 40 or 50 optical zoom, that actually allows you to get a great picture of the moon with clarity. Wow. I kind of compare it to like TVs. And when I personally prefer a Sony TV, which I think is better. Detail versus, say, the LG and some of the others because they are certainly brighter than the Sonys, yeah. So the Sonys are getting better on the brighter aspect, right. the lighting aspect. But the detail is what matters most to me. And I see that even though the iPhones tend to be a little bit darker than the Samsung, the iPhones seem to have more detail, in my honest opinion. That's me looking at it now. Maybe I'm a little biased. Maybe there's some truth to what I'm saying. Hopefully there's some truth to what I'm saying. But again, it depends on, as I say, to each their own.
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm definitely a Mac girl, Apple mm-hmm. girl. I did not used to be until about five years ago. And I would always say, well, you'll just have to pry this Android out of my cold, right. dead hand. But it was interesting. And my friends are all like, you're crazy. And it just felt a little cultish to me. <laughs> and then when I actually got my MacBook Pro, I was like, uh, oh, I think okay, I kind of see what's going on here. And then that was it. That was the, there was an avalanche after that. And I just got all Apple, I guess I drank the Kool-Aid. So here I am now with all Apple product.
0: Did your hesitation come due from your time in law school? And basically all they could use was a Windows machine because of the way the Lexus and Westlaw programs were being used?
1: No, I think it came from stubbornness. Fair <laughs> enough. Once I like some, it's sort of like my keyboard, right? Like once I like something, then I like it. I mean, I am a loyal p- person typically. <laughs> and so once I like something, I stick to it unless I find substantial reason to change. And MacBook Pro definitely gave me a lot of a lot of reasons to switch over. So so I did. So I can be persuaded. Certainly, I'm not too stubborn, but it's you fall into a routine and then A lot of people just like what they know, right?
0: Exactly, exactly. Well, wait, I hear an iPhone, I hear a computer, but I didn't hear a tablet.
1: I do have a tablet, but I I don't typically use it for work. It's more for just, I don't even have it here on my desk. I typically use it for more personal things like reading.
0: Social media consumption and whatnot.
1: A little bit of that. I try to, I do so much of that for my actual work that I try to stay off of that actually when I'm not, when I'm Makes not sense. doing Cause it's a lot, I have to deal, I have to deal with it a lot during the day. So I try to not consume as much in the evenings because it's a bit of a rabbit hole. We all know that.
0: But you forgot to tell us what kind of TV is it? Who's the maker?
1: Oh gosh. I think it's Acer. If I'm not incorrect.
0: Acer. But that's yeah. a monitor, not a TV. It is Isn't a it?
1: monitor. Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe, oh, you know what? It It's an, is it Asus? Does that sound more accurate
0: that still sounds like a monitor
1: i think i think it might just be a monitor then i think the other the tv that we have is in the other room that i've got so this one in front of me right here in my actual office office proper is an is an acer okay cool but it is spray painted in pink (laughs) glitter so does that count for anything It counts for
0: creativity and making your office your own. my whole
1: office is hot pink and then like a light pink. It kind of looks like a Barbie
0: office. I love it, so. Well, we'll make sure to have a photo of you in your office (laughs) on the podcast (laughs) and the blog. And we'll tell you what, let's switch gears and let's get into the questions. What are the top three tech tips lawyers can do on their own to improve their presence on the internet?
1: So obviously, I'm going to approach this from a marketing
0: exactly. Of you
1: versus someone else who might this from just a le- you know, the legal the actual legal work. So if you look at the top three tech tips, then I'm I started thinking about this. I was like, what are the most important things a person should be doing on the internet? Okay, and then I looked at what the tech is behind it. So if you've already got branding and you've already got a website, I'm kind of assuming that with this question. Because if you don't have those, then you need a website. And you probably if you can't make one of those yourself, you probably need Mm -hmm. to hire that out. But let's say you have a website. And let's say it's WordPress, which is sort of the gold standard for websites. The very first thing you need to be doing is putting be putting content on your website, that can get a little tricky, if you're not sure exactly how to do it. There is product called Elementor. That okay. I love. And that integrates with WordPress. And it's basically a wig What you see is what you get. It's a drag and drop kind of system, similar to Wix, similar to Squarespace, except it's actually embedded within WordPress. Makes it very easy for someone to not only write content on their website, but also copy and paste content they've written maybe in a Word document, something, or on a Google Doc, copy and paste that in. It's very intuitive. It's very easy to use. It's easy to add images, video. And so If the important thing regarding your marketing, if the very most important thing is to put search engine optimized content on your website, then I have found that one of the easiest ways to do that is to use that Elementor tool. Because again, it's just very easily accessible and very user-friendly. So that would be the first thing. Now, after you've got really great content on your website. You can't just build it and they will come. You have to actually promote that. So the next two things that I'm going to talk about, which are tech tips, these are also tech products that you can use to help yourself work smarter, and not harder. The first is Canva. That is a free product on the internet. Now you can pay to upgrade, but you don't really need to. And what is beautiful about this product, and I'm sure many of your listeners already know about it, is that there are always new templates that are coming out. You can change the color, you can change the font, you can add your own logo. So it's very easy to make the graphics either to embed inside of Elementor on your website or to then use on all of the different social media platforms. And they even have this really clever tool within Canva that allows you to instantly resize images, click a button, and it'll resize it for Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all the things. So I love promoting that particular product because it's very user-friendly as well you don't have to have a graphic design degree right right? you don't even really frankly have to be very creative (laughs) like yeah the work is kind of done for you when you i I
0: use canva for the blog of the podcast and that's i created the whole text heavy lawyer box the yellow and the mic and the language and I alter it for like podcasts, blog, shout outs, editorials, and they have all these great little embedded icons or emojis that you can use and easily pop on and move about. And it will also help you structure it so things are balanced.
1: It's fantastic. And not only that, you can actually now make video with it. You can make Instagram carousel posts. Okay. So there, I mean, there's just a ton of power within it and it's all free. So everybody can afford free. So that is a tool that I typically recommend. And then the last way that I think is really the top way to work smarter and not harder is as after you've created the content, after you've created some graphics and maybe even created the content for a social media post It's to get all of that content out on all the different platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and and Google Business Profile. Everyone should be putting their posts on Google Mm -hmm. Business Profile. A lot of people don't know about that, but there are tools out there that are scheduling tools. Now, there are a lot that are out there and some have benefits, others don't and vice versa. The two, there's HootSuite, there's Agora Pulse, there's a lot out there. The two that I particularly like One is called later.com. Okay. The reason I like that one is because it will let you do a link in bio on Instagram. So what that is that on Instagram, you have one, one, only one coveted link in your actual profile. You okay. don't get to actually hyperlink anything anywhere else in Instagram. So that one link is super important. A lot of people put their calendar there. A lot of people put their website there. But if you use the tool that's in later.com, it's a link in bio tool. And it's similar to Linktree, if people know what that is. But I no, actually... yeah, what is it, yeah, what's, I'm sorry. What was that?
0: What is Linktree, please?
1: Okay. So Linktree is a landing page. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. And it's got... Anything you want to put on there that are big buttons, like your calendar, maybe your Mm -hmm. podcast you've written, and it's just one landing page. So a lot of people use that on Instagram, and I think it works well. The reason that I particularly have a preference towards later.com's link in bio is that it sets up again. It's a separate web page. And it's got a calendar. It can have your podcast, your website, your book, whatever. But then all of the posts that you actually make on Instagram, you'll see that graphic. And then people can click on that graphic because they'll remember it from their feed. Mm -hmm. That will go directly to a blog post. So I really, I think it's much more powerful, but the drawback for later.com is that they do not have the capacity to schedule to Google business profile. The one that I use for that is called smarter queue. It's Q U E U E. that's like waiting in a line in the UK, right? Smarter queue. And that will allow you to post to everything, but it won't let you do the LinkedIn bio. So, you know, there's never a hundred percent, right? Like It just seems like I can't find the perfect tech product for this. But I use, frankly, for myself and for my clients, I use a combination of both of those. And what you can do then is actually batch your content. So you can actually schedule out your social media Really far in advance. And in fact, I have a majority of my social media actually scheduled out until December of this year. So, a oh lot my God, of-
0: <laughs> I am so okay. I'm so jealous. If we were on the phone right now, I would hang up on you because <laughs> I am so jealous.
1: Well, uh, I mean, it is what I do for a living, right? So, I should not be the cobbler with no shoes. But I will say that then when certain things come up, like ABA Tech Show, I have the creative and mental capacity and the energy and enthusiasm to post all of that as well as my content that is more informative, showcasing expertise, authority, trustworthiness, all of that. That's what we try to do for our clients as well which is we do all of the heavy lifting, showcasing expertise. That way, if they do have a philanthropic event, if they are listed for some sort of award or accolade, or they go to a conference, then it's really exciting for them to post on social media instead of a bit of a burden. And So anyone listening to this, if you sort of do all of that heavy lifting either yearly or quarterly or monthly in advance, then it just gives you a little bit of emotional and creative room to then post those more thought leadership or creative posts. So those are my three tech tips to grow your presence on the interweb.
0: Pardon the interruption. I hope you're enjoying this episode. Consider sharing this show with others. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your download feeds. If you're listening directly from our blog, consider buying us a cup of coffee or two from the link on our blog to help defray some of the production costs. Thanks again and enjoy. So there's two questions I want to kind of pull a little bit. First, we talk about WordPress, and I understand that WordPress is the gold standard when it comes to doing a blog. What is your opinion about using something like WordPress versus, say, I'm going to use the one I'm currently using, Squarespace? So (laughs) be honest. Um, (laughs) Please don't shoot
1: the messenger. It's possible to do SEO on Squarespace. It is possible to work SEO on Squarespace. However, it is typically never as effective or as efficient. And here's why because the same thing that makes Squarespace easy people mm-hmm. to create beautiful websites is on the flip side of that the same thing that bogs it down. So for SEO is sort of a big jigsaw puzzle. There are a lot of pieces that fit into it. Your Google reviews mm-hmm. and your keywording and all of these things. And one of the pieces of the SEO puzzle is your site speed and also how well the Google bots can read it. So they're not our robot right. overlords quite yet, although with AI I think it I don't know, it might be coming, but as of right now, they're not our robot overlords, and we have to explain to them what the content is. And then the website also has to load fast. So all the things that make Wix and Squarespace easy, right? Mm You slide things in, you have a video, all of these things. Even if you're not using these things, your website is still carrying them. So you're still carrying a backpack to try to get to the top of Everest, which is the top of Google, but you are carrying a backpack. Full of all of these tools that you are just not even using on your website. So your website typically loads slower. Also, because the back end isn't as easily accessible, you can't manipulate the back end quite as easily as you can with schema markup and meta tags and meta descriptions. You can, it's just not quite as easy to do, in my opinion, as WordPress. So those are the things that make it a bit more difficult to rank for SEO. It is possible with Squarespace to do it, but really if SEO is something that is a primary consideration, I always encourage people to move to WordPress because that real estate is also then yours. A lot of people don't know that when you have a website on Wix or Squarespace, technically they own your website. So you really I my my recommendation always is to have a WordPress And when I say that, I'll just clarify it's WordPress.org, not WordPress.com. WordPress.com is one that's free that has a lot of ads on it and things like that. So you don't want that.
0: But you talk about like all these well, you haven't really talked about, but there are a lot of third party programs that you put on WordPress. For instance, Eliminator, but and that was just one. I didn't want to say you talked about so many because we did talk about one, but I am aware there are so many. Does Do those third-party add-ons, do they weigh down your WordPress site? As in the same way that, you know, you're talking about Squarespace and Wix.
1: Like any good attorney, I will tell you, it depends. It depends on what those plugins are. Elementor, Elementor is one that typically does not because they were created and formulated to be optimized for SEO. There are certain plugins, primarily, I'll just be honest, if you kind of don't know what you're doing, and you're just putting plugins on there, maybe some of them don't play nicely with each other, that can bring down the site, your website, well, it can bring down your whole website, or it can slow your speed of your website, or it can cause problems within your website. So yes, that is possible. But if you are running a streamlined website with just Mm -hmm. the plugins that you need, which can be a lot of plugins, but if they're all playing nicely with each other, and if they are all something that you actually need to make your website efficient and work well, then really it should all be optimized for SEO.
0: So then tell us, you, you also talked about for promotion that you want to send it out to Instagram, Facebook, Etc., are TikTok and Twitter still good platforms to be using, given the concerns that have been generated from the governments about China on TikTok and the current ownership of Twitter, which are stories in themselves? But are those still good places to go?
1: Let me start with Twitter. Okay. I don't know what's going to happen with Twitter, no one does. But I feel like the purpose of being on a social media platform is to drive traffic to your website. That is the primary reason. It's to showcase your expertise, your authority, and your trustworthiness, and to get people off of these social media platforms, off of the memes and the cat videos, and onto your website. That is the point of it. And then also brand awareness, consistent brand awareness. I don't know of that many lawyers that have gotten incredible results from Twitter alone. I am sure that there are exceptions to the rule. They're probably yelling right now at the podcast, (laughs) listening in their car. So there are exceptions to the rule. But I would say that The majority of Twitter are conversations that do not really surround brand awareness. It's usually discussions regarding social, political topics, things like that. So that's my perspective from my experience.
0: Fair enough. So
1: I don't think that Twitter is really the most prime real estate any law firm should be on anyway on social media. Fair so enough. that said, let me move to TikTok. Wow. Ah, that is a deep sigh intentionally. So TikTok, I have always felt a lot of moral heartburn surrounding TikTok because it simply is not secure. And the truth is, we have no idea where our information Where this content, where our private, where our data, where it's being stored, how it's being used now, how it might be used in the future. It is just one big question mark. And to me, just both personally and professionally, makes me very nervous. So I know it's this new platform that everyone is jumping on, but I will say again that the only time. An attorney should be on TikTok is literally if they have exhausted every other aspect of their digital marketing and they are bored and have nothing else to do because they should really be focusing on their brand awareness. They should be focusing on optimizing their website, adding more content to their website to showcase their expertise, to be on other social media platforms where they can be having. Really important conversations, not only with potential clients, but also with their network to be getting referrals on LinkedIn, right? Mm -hmm. You could have a LinkedIn newsletter. You should have an email newsletter. You can have a YouTube channel, right? You can be on Instagram and visiting with potential clients there. You can be in Facebook groups talking to potential clients. There's a lot you can be doing out there instead of dancing and pointing. On TikTok. So again, there are people who are crushing it on TikTok. They will think that I am crazy right now for attempting to persuade people to avoid this medium. But I just feel like the combination between the data security and the privacy issues coupled with the fact that from what I have heard from a lot of attorneys is that they do get a lot of engagement there. They Mm -hmm. do get a lot of connections and likes and comments, but they don't get a lot of actual quality leads from there. Ah, Which is frankly, at the end of the day, isn't that the point of all of this? (laughs) So it's not about vanity metrics. It's about getting actual dollars into your law firm's bank account. So for that reason, I typically tend to tell people, you should be starting a podcast. You should write a book. There are so many other things that you could do to showcase your expertise within marketing then, or even hosting a webinar or hosting an in-person event, right? There's so many other things you can do besides TikTok. I'm sure there are people right now screaming at this podcast and at me.
0: (laughs) Do people still have in-person events? Well, I've heard rumors. I've heard of course, rumors. That's how we met. So
1: that's right. We met at an in person event. Of course. Yes.
0: So let's move on to question number two. Okay. What are the top three pieces of tech an attorney should get if they want to get into podcasting?
1: So, first, I'll say this is such a great question because if an attorney is considering doing a podcast, the answer is yes, yes, please do a podcast because Not many law firms and lawyers are out there doing it consistently, and you will already have a leg up over your competition Mm -hmm. decide to do a podcast and to do one consistently with really great information. And if you're worried about guests, you can just have one that is just you. You don't have to make it an hour long. You can make it a half an hour, even 20 minutes. So there is a lot that you can do with a podcast. So I love this question because I think it's important for lawyers to consider having one, but especially before TikTok. So the top three pieces of tech an attorney should get if they want to get into podcasting is first on microphone, right? So you need okay. to sound really good. And like I said, the one that I'm looking, so I sound like I'm far away, audio technical is the microphone that I have. And then I have the little filter that goes over it to make you sound a little bit better, a little more subtle, not quite as crisp and jarring. So that is the first piece of equipment, the first piece of tech that you need. The second piece, and it's not that
0: expensive,
1: frankly, that microphone. The second piece of tech is free, which is GarageBand.
0: Okay. Well, hold on. It's free if you have a Mac.
1: It is free if you have a Mac. That so is true. It's
0: free if you have a Mac. Yes. Um, go ahead.
1: Yes. And so, and then get a Mac. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's the third piece. Thank you. Good night. Tip your waitresses. No, I really like GarageBand, but the third piece of tech that I'm going to say that an attorney should get if they want to get into podcasting isn't actually a piece of tech. I'm going to cheat.
0: Okay. It's Fair actually, a,
1: it's a course. So oh. there's a guy named Pat Flynn. Okay. And he has, he is amazing. He has a course called, it's known lovingly as PUP. It's Power Up Podcasting. And it's a few hundred dollars. And this course is so amazing. He has built a whole career. He actually has a conference of his own at one point. He's very well known in podcasting circles. And when I did not know anything (laughs) about podcasting. I got his course and he has open office hours every week and I mean he's a millionaire or billionaire many times over and he's an absolute sweetheart. His course literally it's a video and a it's a course that you buy online so you go through the videos and you go through the different tutorials and the different written content but it literally is like this. Buy this microphone Now, here's the video on how to take it out of the box. I mean, it is literally down to that level. And I felt like for someone who was, I'm a little tech savvy. I mean, I'm not as great as you, but I felt like it was such a wonderful course because I felt like I could truly follow this step by step and that it was very easy to follow. And therefore it. I felt very encouraged and successful as I was starting my podcast and not as much frustration. So when he was going through GarageBand and explaining how to create a file, how to create files on your Mac, how to create a master template file that you will then record an intro and then all of your other podcasts will start with that or how to edit. It was He's, he makes everything so user-friendly that I really cannot, I cannot encourage people enough to take a peek at his course to see if it would be right for them. Because I know that I probably actually would not have a podcast if it were not for that course. He really made it very easy.
0: Annette, for our last question, what are the top three ways attorneys can use AI, like ChatGTP, to increase online content for their practice?
1: So. This is a bit of a trick question, I think, and maybe you didn't mean for it to be, but this, there's a lot packed up in here. The question I think before asking this question is, should attorneys use AI, to create online content for their practice? And I will tell you that Google has come out and said, and you can look up Google guidelines themselves say that if you're trying to manipulate the search rankings, which people get hung up on that word manipulate, but manipulate just simply means to change or alter or to gain favor, right? So if you are trying to manipulate the search rankings in order to get yourself and your content on the top and you are using AI, it's considered spam. So if you are going up against other law firms that are using AI content you will not make it to the top of Google for SEO reasons. And if you think about it, it makes sense. If you have a hundred attorneys and all of them are using chat GPT for their content, you have one attorney who's writing unique content, showing authority and expertise. It's very simple for Google to figure out who's using AI content I, myself personally, there's tools all over the internet that you can just copy and paste content into and it'll tell you whether it's AI or not. So Google has those same tools, right? They probably invented some of them and they can tell what content is written by a bot and what is written by a human. If they have 101 choices of wills versus trusts or something on intellectual property or whatever it is, why would they choose one of the pieces of content out of the hundred that sound like the 99 other pieces of content, there's nothing more valuable in there. SEO stands for search engine optimization, right? You are optimizing your content to be at the top of the Google. At the end of the day, you have the best chocolate chip cookie recipe, right? There's millions of chocolate chip cookie recipes out there, but there's only one, that's at the very top of Google. So Google has to make a choice, that's what its job is. That said, you can use AI in your content in a very specific way. What I tell attorneys is, AI can be used to help you with the creative process. What should I be writing about? What are some topics to get the creative juices flowing? After you come up with a topic, you can use AI to help you with maybe some subheaders, your H2s, maybe some bullet point lists. As long as you are not using Chat GPT or some sort of AI tool like Jasper or whatever it is to just singularly create this content. And I will tell you, a lot of the times the content is legally inaccurate, ethically not compliant, factually wrong. So And at the same time, it's written by a robot. And like, again, if you've got 99 other law firms using that exact same platform to write content on that exact same topic, Google is going to be searching for the best content to put at the top of their search engine. So like anything, I think that this particular tech tool can be used wisely by lawyers to Get the creative juices flowing to start thinking about content, to be thinking about questions, to be thinking about answers, and then putting their particular thought leadership within their content so that Google ranks them at the top.
0: Well, let me pull on this in two different directions. So first of all, could you have an AI or chat GTP or whoever your flavor is to draft you something and then you edit it? And then throw it back in. Is that going to, when I say back in, I should say post it on your blog. Is that going to create a problem with the Google Analytics?
1: I would say that if it's showing up, in one of the free tools or very inexpensive tools online, such as you are putting your content back into those tools and it's showing up as AI, then Google is probably going to flag it as AI as well. So that's kind of a little bit of a fail safe. I'm not going to say it's 100%, but it's a way for you to say, okay, this particular tool does Mm -hmm. not think it's AI. So it's good to go for SEO reasons. Well, then on now, the if f- you don't care about, as, just as a side note, right. if you don't care about SEO, if you just want to have content on your website and then promote it on social media and you are not caring about SEO at all, then I think that you can absolutely use AI and chat GPT.
0: Well, I, that seems kind of odd that people who are posting stuff to their websites don't care about SEO because one of the most important things about using a website is having the SEO on there geared correctly so that you get more visitors to the site.
1: I agree. But there are some people who just want content on their website. So then they can sort of showcase that on different social media channels, have something to put it out to their email list, things like that. And in those cases, something is better than nothing. You're not getting the SEO benefits, but you are still getting the ability to promote that content and then when people do stop by your website, they do see there's not tumbleweeds in the blog section, right? Like there there is content there at least, even if it's not optimized for SEO. All
0: right. So I'm gonna flip this now. What about drafting something or coming up with an original content and then throwing it into chat GTP and say, hey, can you optimize this better for SEO?
1: As far as I'm aware. I am not sure that it has the ability to optimize for SEO such that a Google bought would like it more than original content. Now, we are having this conversation right in 2023. This may be very outdated in even weeks or months or years from now. So this is just with the information that we have now.
0: Right. Well, remember, chat GTP4 just came out. A new version just came out like this past week. So I'm barely scratching the surface on three and Lord knows what four can do, although they're saying it's better. But then again, as I say, user beware.
1: Apparently it passed the bar. So yes.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. It passed the bar and tested in the top 10%.
1: Which frankly, I think speaks more to the bar than it does to chat GPT. But that's another story.
0: No comments. Annette, thank you. I appreciate you being on here. Tell us, where can people find you?
1: So you can find me on my website, which is lawquill.com. It's all one word, lawquil com. You can email me at Annette at lawquill.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, which is my happy place. I also have my own podcast, which is Legal Marketing Lounge, and I've written a book, which is called Click Magnet, The Ultimate Digital Marketing Guide for Law Firms, which is really a step-by-step guide for those who are more interested in doing digital marketing, a little bit of DIY for their law firm, but any one of those ways. And I'm on Instagram as well. So you can find me. I'm on the interweb everywhere.
0: Well, that, again, I want to thank you for being here and have a great day.
1: Thank you so much. It really was a privilege and an honor.
0: Thanks again. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Page podcast. Our next episode will be posted in about two weeks. If you have any ideas about a future episode, please contact me at DJ at the taxabbey lawyer page. Have a great day and happy learning.